Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym. Uh, apologies if the sound is slightly wonky. We had some audio issues uh, on my end, and uh, I'm down in the library. I'm using the mic from my actual laptop, but don't worry. My guest today will be coming in loud and clear. Before I get started, though, I would love to, you know, once again point you all towards my Patreon. I'm creating uh, some super fun content over there, which, you know, I've got a bunch of subscribers at this point, Uh, got some money coming in, which is fantastic because I put so much time and energy quite truly into podcasting. So uh, if you want to check that out, uh, throw me a couple dollars and get some bonus content while you're at it. You can do so at patreon.com slash the bedpost show. Without further ado, I have a very exciting guest for today. This is actually a topic that I've only touched on kind of briefly, so I'm very excited to have a more in-depth chat about hypnokink, and that is with my lovely super special guest today, coming in over Skype, hypnokinkster and non-binary daddy, Matt. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm so fantastic. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Where are you Skyping in from? I'm in New York City. Woot, woot, woot. What's the weather like there? It's pretty warm, and I have uh, turned off my air conditioner to sound better, so it's very warm. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> and you, uh, you've told me, and, and I know you, you know, kind of well through the social medias. I've met you a couple times, and yeah. uh, you are a hypno kinkster. Do you want to maybe even just explain what that is to people? Yeah, sure thing. Um, hypnokink, also called uh, erotic hypnosis, um, is a kink um, th- that some people will have, including me. It's like my my biggest uh, kink. Nice. That where you where you um, uh, fantasize about or play with using hypnosis um, to uh, in sexual or kink scenarios. Um, and there's a lot of ways you can you can use it, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Oh, we most certainly will. <laughs> Why don't we start then with uh, how you first kind of got interested in and heard about hypnosis uh, in your life? Sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, as a kid, uh, it's it's sort of in a lot of cartoons, in a lot of uh, movies. Uh, a lot of hypnokinksters I've talked to talk about the Jungle Book. For me, Aladdin was a big uh, was a big um, reference point for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scooby Doo also. Just in all of these kids' properties um, that, that you're watching and absorbing, there's hypnosis as a plot point. Often, yeah. um, sometimes it's the villain. Often it's the villain um, hypnotizing uh, one of the protagonists and doing uh, dastardly things to or with them. Um, and, and I, I guess I absorbed that and that always, um, I always focused really, really closely on those moments in in those shows. Um, and then I remember being also in fifth grade and kind of finishing my assignments early and getting to, um, 
have some time to just like peruse the encyclopedias. I was and am like a nerd. Yeah. Uh, and I was like immediately drawn to like the H encyclopedia specifically and like, l- like reading as much as I can, uh, could about the, uh, history of hypnosis and how it's used. So it's just been something that's, that's, um, been with me since really early. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And I, I, one thing I, that I definitely want to talk to you about today is like, the misconceptions of hypnosis. Oh, there are so many. Yeah, because in media, you're right. That's where a lot of us, a lot of us see it is like the evil genius, like hypnotizing the good guy to go do their bidding or whatever. Right. Right. right exactly. So yeah. we've got a lot of media that's like informing us what hypnosis is about, but I'm sure it's like uh, super inaccurate. Just, just a wild guess. Yes. Yes, it is. In <laughs> fact, um, uh, two folks in the hypnokink community uh, near me, Sleeping Girl and Gleeful Abandon, recently put out a um, an incredible Google Doc uh, ebook about this called Nine Persisting Misconceptions About Hypnosis." That's uh, that kind of walks through them, and it's it's really great. And I'm glad somebody kind of wrote those up. Yes, amazing. So, when was the first time that you kind of actually tried doing it, or um, you know, somebody maybe tried doing it to you for the first time? What was that experience like? Yeah, um, the first, uh, so I started out just reading erotica about it, right? Yeah. There's this website called the Erotic Mind Control Story Archive nice. um, that has thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of erotica about, some are about mind control, some are about hypnosis, some are about um, the intersection um, kind of, uh, of of those different kinks. And I really didn't know that it was possible to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real life, because I was sort of coming at it from a, a fantasy perspective, cartoons and erotica and stuff. Um, and then when I got deeper into it, deeper into the the community and, and found out that folks were actually like practicing this as a as a real kink, that was through uh, Omegle. Do you remember Omegle? Have you ever been on that website? No. What is that about? Oh, oh gosh. Um, <clears throat> it was sort of a, a popular website in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Um, where you can just randomly be connected to another person uh, uh, with text chat. Oh my! So it's sort of like chat roulette, but just for text. Cool. Um, but th- the cool feature of it is that you could put in your interests, and it would ma- match you with someone who had the same interests as you. Um, so naturally, like I-, I put in a bunch of interests, but some of the ones that I put in were like hypnosis and erotic hypnosis. And then I started finding other people, like like-minded people who had similar kinks to talk to, and then try stuff out with. And that's really that was my first experiences were um, were online and in text chat. So, but actually doing hypnosis through texting? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can. There's a lot of different mediums in which you can do hypnosis. Um, mostly people think about sort of the swinging pocket watch or like uh, using your voice to do it. But um, you can do it through video. You can do it through text. Uh, you can do it in person through touch. Even I've done a hypnotic scene recently that was that had no words at all. It was entirely through touch. So wow. um, there's a lot of different ways to get someone into trance. Wow, amazing! So your first time was via text with essentially a stranger. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah, who, who knows uh, who they were if they were uh, telling telling the truth about their uh, age, sex, location? We'll never know. Probably not. Uh, Probably yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> and were you the one going under trance, or were you hypnotizing so, someone else in that first scenario? That's a great question. Um, so the uh, the tops in hypnosis are often called hypnotists. Pretty simple. Yeah. Um, the bottoms are called uh, hypnotes or subjects. I think the first time I did it, I was looking to be a subject, but mm-hmm. it's 
there are a lot more subjects. Uh, there are a lot more people looking to be subjects than there are people looking to be tops so, mm-hmm. uh, or hypnotists. So pretty quickly, I um, started trying to develop the skills to, uh, to be a top, and, and, and that way I could at least have some way of experiencing it. I wouldn't be constantly just like getting disconnected from and, and trying, to, trying to look for someone. I'm, I'm, I identify as a switch in terms of kink identity, okay. so um, I'm, I'm really happy uh, doing both. Doing both. So you've you've experienced both being in a trance and uh, putting somebody else under a trance. Absolutely. Yeah. Many times. So sorry, that first time then you were put under. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I believe that's what I was looking for. And I think um, I think so. Yeah, I I don't think I would have uh, been comfortable uh, topping without having uh, bottomed for it first. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I I think the same thing. Like I'm professionally, I'm a dominant, but I think it's so in my lifestyle, I'm a switch for sure. And even a bottom leaning switch. So Mm -hmm. I, I just think I have such a wider understanding of a lot of different kinks, like any of the kinks that I've bottomed for, like truly uh, done the work for bottoming for, yeah. uh, like the emotional work, the mental work, all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like I just have such a wider understanding of it, not to toot my own horn. But... No, I, 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 I totally agree. I think it's um, really responsible for people who um, want to top something to, uh, if they can find it, you know, in them, themselves and it doesn't cross any of their, their boundaries to like try to bottom for it first, if possible, if that's comfortable for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so where did you first like learn how to actually put someone into a trance? Like, how did you even know how to do that? A lot, a lot, a lot of Googling. So, uh, (laughs) there are, um, uh, this is back before Tumblr sort of, uh, (laughs) kicked a lot of this content off the off the website yeah but um there are a lot of guides written by um older hypno kinksters notes from uh classes uh given at conferences you know i was kind of uh, i was pretty young at this point i was like 17 18 19 um uh and i was trying to learn but i didn't i i wasn't living in a city where i could easily get to one of these classes or uh or whatever so i was just looking for uh induction scripts online i was looking for um uh, notes from these classes that are that, that were being given, and uh, and there weren't really any great books on the subject specifically of erotic hypnosis at that point. But mm-hmm. in the time since, I, I've um, there there've kind of been an explosion of these. Uh, one of my favorites, and the one that's recommended everywhere, is by Mark Wiseman, kind of um, w- one of the most fundamental people in the erotic hypnosis community. He's he's been around forever, and he's everywhere. Uh, he, he wrote a book called Mind Play: A Guide to Erotic Hypnosis. Um, it's in its second edition now, and it also has an accompanying study guide. So that's where I point people who want to learn this uh, now. It's it's truly like the best resource on it. Um, and there are some more advanced co- books coming out as well, like one about hypnotic uh, uh, amnesia, and uh, another uh, person, um, H. Sleeping Girl, is working on a book about um, brainwashing, which is a subset of, of erotic hypnosis. So uh, there's a lot there's a lot of resources being put out now. Yeah. And is it something that's like fairly easy to pick up? Like, can anyone learn this and start putting people in trances? I think so. Yeah. I I don't think it's um, super hard to learn. Uh, It just takes practice and a willing, uh, a willing subject that's also open to it. Obviously you need somebody who's um, familiar with, uh, or or open to bottoming for this and and wants to do it. And is can, you know, that you have consent um, to do this with, but because uh, there's not really a way to practice it without that, right? Okay. With some with some skills, you can practice without a bottom, but this one, you, you really need it to know if you're if you're doing it right. 
Okay. So are you able to like, I, I don't know if it's like, <laughs> you don't want to give away the secrets of erotic hypnosis, but like, can you tell me like, what does a basic induction script look like essentially? Yeah. Let me, let me give you the structure of a scene awesome. um, kind of from, from top to bottom. So uh, first thing you want to do with any, um, uh, with any scene is negotiate it, right? So that you, uh, you, the hypnotist and the subject know what the expectations are for that scene um, what kinds of suggestions are going to be playing with, uh, anything that you need to know about their body, um, um, or limits or, or standard kink negotiation template, right? Yeah. Once, once you get through that, it's helpful to know, um, something called, uh, their modalities, okay. which are sort of, um, a shorthand for what tends to work for them in terms of getting them into trance. Some people have an auditory modality, which means sounds um, and voice are going to be the easiest way to do it. Some people are more visual or kinesthetic. Um, So if you can figure that out, that'll help you select an induction. Um, And then an induction is just the the part of the scene in which you're taking them from a um, conscious sort of awake state into a trance state, which Mm -hmm. isn't really... um, it isn't really like sleep and it's not really probably like, like the way you've seen it in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more a hyper-focused state. Uh, sometimes you can, you know, have your eyes open, you could have your eyes closed. Um, it might be very, it might feel very relaxing. It might feel um, very intense, kind of depends on the subject's perspective. Wow. And then once you're in, once you've gotten them into uh, that trance state, often, um, often you'll do some deepeners. Uh, deepeners are uh, techniques to take that uh, trance and make it more focused and more intense okay. uh, because it, you can start out sort of in a, like a light trance. You can think of like a light trance and then uh, uh, make it uh, make it more intense. So sort of like you're getting someone uh, into a, a deeper part of subspace. It's very mm-hmm. similar to that if you're familiar with that feeling. Yeah. And uh, you can do that as much as you want, um, as much as you've, you know, gotten consent for and then typically there will be some suggestions so suggestions can be um uh in the moment like things that you want your subject to experience or feel uh, hypnotic effects that you want to cause right away Mm -hmm. or they can be post-hypnotic suggestions so things that you want uh, to have happen when some trigger occurs after the trance Mm -hmm. and you can pl- you can play and stay in that trance and, and deep in that trance as long as you'd you'd really like to, um, and then afterwards, uh, sort of awakening, playing with any of those post hypnotic suggestions that you've um, given the subject, and then uh, and then hopefully removing those suggestions so that you know there's no safety concerns uh, later on, um, unless you have consent to, to to keep those there and then built in proper safeties for the triggers, and then um, aftercare. Amazing. So that's, that's sort of the structure of the whole thing. Wow. What does it feel like as someone who is a switch and who has experience being on the bottom of this? Like, what mm-hmm. does what does it feel like for the bottom? I think uh, the best way to think about it is that you've probably felt this way before. Um, it's uh, sort of feels like when you lose track of time when you're reading a really good book. Um, Mm. or when you're driving and you kind of, there's that moment where you're like, oh, I don't, I don't remember all the steps I took to get here. Mm. It's sort of like a flow state where you are just allowing things to happen and are more open to ideas and suggestions, imagination and play. Interesting. Yeah. So you are, you are present in a way. Yes. Would you say? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't really work if you fall asleep. That's, that's not what you're going for. Yeah. So you're not, you're not like, you don't black out that time and the top can essentially do whatever 
whatever no, they want. No, you're you're no, not, certainly not. Yeah. And since you did bring up uh, consent practices, you know, doing a fully fleshed out negotiation and whatnot, which yeah. is fantastic. I'm wondering how would the bottom communicate, you know, a yellow, for example, mm-hmm. mid scene. That's a really, really great question. Yeah. Um, so for anybody who's not familiar, a yellow is in like red, yellow, green consent system. A yellow is you want your top to check in with you, right? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean stop the whole scene. It just means, you know, there's something maybe I'm a little bit uncomfortable or uh, something that I want uh, uh, to slow down. Yeah. Different hypnosis tops handle this in different ways. Um, I think it's a good idea to, in the induction, explicitly tell your subject um, that they will be able to do that. Okay. And just by giving them that permission, usually the, the brain under hypnosis, um, can, can absorb that. Mm-hmm. Um, for some, for some folks, uh, they'll do it by inse- instead saying, if at any point there's a suggestion that you, um, don't feel like you want to take, mm-hmm. you don't have to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some folks will say if there's, a, if you ever get to a point where you're uncomfortable and you need to talk to me, you can just wake yourself up on your own. And all of those things have worked, um, in, in times that I've done them. Amazing. Yeah, because I think that's that, you know, again, we'll get to it more in depthly later. But another misconception, perhaps, is that, or maybe this is true, I don't know. Um, can you put, can you just put anyone under regardless of whether they want to be under or not? That one's sort of a complicated one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not true to say that you can only hypnotize people who want to be hypnotized. Okay. And it's also not true to say that you can just put anyone in trance at any time. So it's sort of in the middle. Um, A a good way to think about it, though, is that the brain is very good at protecting itself. Um, So if someone generally, if someone is just trying to randomly put you in trance and you haven't consented to that, it's going to be much, much harder for them to do that. Okay. And I'm also just wondering, like the person that's under, so are they free to speak? Like, can they speak? Are they in a space where they can speak so they can actually like say the word yellow? Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Most um, most people don't go completely nonverbal when they're in trance. Uh, they can still talk. Uh, their voice will probably often sound different. Um, it'll be um, maybe a different tone, maybe more slurred, maybe slower, um, depending on the type of uh, trance you're, they're in, you know, if it's sort of a very relaxing one, then they'll, they'll sound a lot more relaxed, but, uh, still able to talk. Now that's a fun thing that you can play with. If your kink is, you know, making them nonverbal, uh, uh, you can, you can take away that ability by giving them that suggestion. If that's something that they, that they've consented to, but then you need to have another alternate way to signal, um, a, a red or a yellow. So, right. Yes. A signal of some sort. Right. Yeah. Okay, so this is essentially the structure of, you know, a hypno scene, a hypno kink scene. So, mm-hmm. okay, what what kind of crazy things can we can we get up to? What kind of dirty naughty oh things? Oh my gosh, <laughs> so much stuff, Aaron. Uh, where to begin? So, uh, some some folks that I that I follow like have referred to uh, hypno kink as sort of like the 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 salt and pepper of kink because you can kind of sprinkle it on anything and, and mm. you can do a lot of things with it and make a lot of things better with it. Mm. So let's see if you're into bondage, may I presume, uh, you, you, you can do, um, hypnotic bondage. So you can, um, Oh, like verbal bondage, but yes. like that extra level exactly. of verbal bondage. Oh exactly. man. Yeah. You're yeah. following. Yeah. So you can, you can, uh, pose somebody in a position and then sort of, uh, freeze them there. You can make them feel like there are restraints where there aren't any. That's really fun. Oh my God. Uh, you can do a lot with sensation. So you can take parts of the body uh, that normally wouldn't be erogenous zones and turn them into erogenous zones. 
um, you can take a, a sensation that might feel like really light and not intense at all and turn up the intensity of that. Um, or if you're more into teasing, you can take a, 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 like a sexual sensation like rubbing a clit or stroking a penis and like turn it way down mm. uh, and tease somebody uh, like in a humiliation way with that. You can play with uh, memory as well. So you can do uh, scenes where you have someone who is fully clothed um, and then they forget the period where you're undressing them. So to them, it just seems like they're closed and then they're immediately naked. That's pretty oh. fun. Um, you can build arousal in people. So I've, I've done this uh, trick often with a suggestion where I make uh, an innocuous beverage like water or something, sort of a love potion or arousal drug. What? So the more that they drink, yeah, it's really fun. That's so creative. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, uh, there's there is just so much you can do. Uh, hypnotic orgasms are like the popular party trick where you can okay. um, snap and make somebody come. But that's like not that fun for me, honestly. The like more psychological, like deeper, longer stuff is is more what I'm what I'm into. The long con. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds so amazing. Are there um, speaking of just like the possibilities? Do you have some things in mind that you like haven't tried yet? but would still love to try? Yeah, I haven't gone as deep into the memory stuff as I would like to. I really want to read uh, that Hypnotic Amnesia book that I mentioned by DJ Pynchon and um, by DJ Pynchon and Leah Lore. Yeah. Because they have like full scene logs and sort of conversations about scenes they've done in there. And they, they've done a lot with amnesia and memory and uh, drug, uh, like hypnotic drug play and stuff. Um, so that's a big area of interest for me. Also, I think the role play possibilities are something I haven't fully explored. So, mm. you know, you can do a role play scene where you're playing, you know, a teacher and a student or, a, uh, whatever, whatever yeah. roles you want to play. Yeah. But <clears throat> with hypnosis, you can make somebody much more believe that they're actually in that role. So mm. it feels less like acting to them oh. and more like, more like they're just inhabiting that personality. So I haven't, I haven't done a lot with that either yet. Wow. And Okay. Most of these suggestions that you're like, it sounds like fucking magic. I know it's not. Um, it's not. It's it, not. It's, it's more like it's more like improv or than it is like magic. Um, it's consensual play where you're just getting someone into a, a a state where they're more open to that play. Um, for most of these like suggestions that to me, who knows absolutely nothing about hypnokink, like a lot of these sure. suggestions seem like pretty wild to me. Mm -hmm. okay. So I'm wondering like. You know, if you just throw out a, a suggestion that's to me seems like so amazing, really, like you will orgasm when I snap. Like, yeah. what are the odds that that is actually working? Like, that's actually well, going to happen when you do well, when you snap in the scene. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great question, and that depends on um, two two factors okay. primarily. It depends on the skill of the hypnotist, and it depends on the skill of the subject. Right. Okay. Um, I wouldn't start with that. <laughs> for instance, like a lot of these, a lot of these things that I'm talking about are like, you've, you have done trance with this person many times. You've okay. explored what it's like for them to be in trance and their susceptibility to those suggestions. And then you've built up slowly to like more complex effects. Like the first effects that I would honestly do with somebody are like sticking their hands together, um, okay. or like making their arm float up, like stuff that is not sexy unless you're a hypnokinkster, in which case it may be. <laughs> it's all sexy. Um, uh, but then once they get, once they get practice at, at that, um, it becomes a lot easier to do the, the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And are there people that just can't go under no matter how much, you know, they might want to? Um, there are folks that, uh, 
that feel that way. The research is a little bit uh, kind of all over the place on that. Okay. Um, like the scientific research about hypnosis that's been not just applied to kink, but obviously, but it's been applied to like medicine and, and <clears throat> psychology and other fields. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the hypnokinksters are sort of like reading to try to get better at this. There are folks that it's definitely harder for. Uh, and there are folks that have certain, um, uh, like neurological conditions that make it very difficult okay. uh, or impossible. But, but most people that I've met and, and that have like been open to, to trying it, like can get there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's very common to be able to get someone into trance or at least like lightly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then it's practice, right? Like it's practice going deeper and figuring out what kinds of deepeners work and figuring out, uh, modalities and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, the biggest, the biggest reason why people don't go into trance is because they don't want to. And if, and if you don't want to, then that's the sort of brain protecting yourself thing. Okay, very cool. Yeah, because I'm sure we've all kind of experienced, you know, the hypnotist on stage at some event and, you know, getting getting a group of 10 people to do a bunch of, like, to giving a, a group of 10 people a bunch of suggestions and they're doing right. it and it's funny and all that stuff. But half the people, you know, probably weren't under and they were just doing it because they had to, you know. Social pressure, right. Yeah, right. You, know, you know what I mean? So, like. I do, yep. Probably most of the people weren't really under maybe one or two was like really actually under so I was mm-hmm. just like wondering about um you know if you you have noticed any trends in why people uh can go under easily with no experience for example trust and the skill of the hypnotist come into play there I mean if you're if you're playing with somebody that you've never done anything with you don't have any kind of relationship with pickup play, I think that's going to be tougher than if you're, you know, building to this slowly, you've, you've developed trust in like a dynamic, um, and in, in a, in a, in roles and you can, you can go from there. Okay. What is it about hypno kink that draws people to it? Like, what do you think, like what, what kind of people are interested in this? Like what, what are maybe adjacent kinks? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what types of kinker, kinksters, kinkers, what types of kinksters might also, uh, want to get involved in hypno kink? Um, I see a lot of crossover with, uh, DS because there is this well-defined sort of person in control and person, um, Mm -hmm. who's, who's, who's being told what to do in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of crossover with, um, some of, uh, some, some of the more fantastical elements, like if you're, if you're, instead of being into hypno, hypnosis, if you're really into the, uh, the fantastical idea of mind control, which isn't really a thing, mm-hmm. um, you can use hypnosis to approximate that in like a fantasy perspective. Yeah. Um, so you can instead do hypnosis and sort of, um, give suggestions that might feel like mind control or, or like, or like, um, be interpreted that way, but your, your mind isn't actually being controlled by another person. I see a lot of crossover with, um, somnophilia which is another kink of mine like people who are into sleepy sex ah. um like sleep, sleep as an arousal trigger because a hypnosis can often look like sleep even if it isn't um and you can play with you can play with that sort of awake asleep kind of uh triggers and uh a fair amount of crossover with the rope community i'm not sure where that comes from if it's just the fact that rope is uh, a, a very popular kink or that rope is itself kind of hypnotic. I, I, I've read perspectives on that. I'm not a rope person really. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Oh, mentioning that because you, you said that you could, you know, put somebody under, uh, by like talking to them, by showing them something visually, you mentioned mm-hmm. briefly, like through sensation. So that makes me think of like rope because rip rope yeah. can being tied can often feel like very meditative, that kind of a thing. Yep. Would that potentially be some sort of like sen- 
sensory induction. Exactly. Yep, exactly. That's, that's totally that's totally uh, in, in that vein. Oh, also, um, there's there's a lot of other stuff. There's a uh, bimboification and sissification. Yes. Very popular. Very popular kinks that cross over with this, because I mean, you can you can imagine how that would work, right? You you hypnotize somebody and then you uh, kind of mess around with um, their gender perception, gender roles. You can. Um, uh, well, where was I? I, going I imagine with that? like humiliation, like yes, yes might exactly. that's be. Where I was yeah, yeah, it might be a, it, that kind of makes sense for me. Like, essentially, that's kind of like what the party trick hypnotists are doing, right? Yes. They're making exactly. the people up on stage do stupid stuff so that the audience can laugh at them. Yeah. So I can imagine, uh, yeah, I could very easily imagine like a humiliation scene. Uh, so another one that I've been uh, playing with recently after attending a class on it is... Uh, impact plus hypnosis. So kind of, uh, the idea of beating someone into a trance or, or, or slapping them into a trance instead of, um, just gently sort of talking them down. That's really, that's really fun, uh, to play with as well. And I've, I've, uh, you can also play with the effects of what those hits feel like, like those hits can be, uh, suggested to increase arousal or to bring someone back down into trance. Wow. That sounds so fucking cool. When you said slap someone into a trance, for some reason that was like, that that hit me somewhere. That made me feel things. Nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so we are about at the time where we should be taking a break. How about we come back and talk about the misconceptions about hypnosis? All right, let's do it. All right, amazing. So everyone, we have some great sponsors for you to listen to, and we will be right back with Hypnokinkster Matt. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're here with hypno-kinkster Matt. Hi, Matt. Hello. Uh, so we kind of alluded to this topic a little bit in the first half, so I'd love to have like a fully fleshed out conversation about the misconceptions about hypnosis and hypno-kink. Yes. Okay. Well, I'd love to know what, what, do you, what do you think your current misconceptions are that I can help dispel? And then maybe I'll have a few additional ones. Yeah, I think any of the things, I mean, we did cover a little bit of it. I had I had some like issues about 
consent that I was, that that was kind of my main concern of like, you know, whether people can get out of it if they want to, whether you can do it to somebody when they're not wanting you to. The other Mm -hmm. thing was like, you kind of mentioned the post hypnotic suggestions. Yes. Uh, So, you know, if you could somehow do that to somebody without their consent. So I think all my, all my stuff about it was just kind of surrounding that. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, one of the one of the uh, big ones that that I'm aware of is uh, depth as a depth as a myth on its own, right? And I, I use the concept of depth when I was talking about things earlier, but I want to point out that that is a metaphor, right? Okay. There is no you can't measure the depth of someone's trance. Um, it's really just a metaphor in terms of um, how much have you intensified it and what what. Um, how much work have you put into getting them into a suggestible state? Uh, so, so if someone ever asks you if you're deep enough or is upset at you, if you're, if you didn't go deep enough, that's, that's bullshit. Okay. So they, so you're not able to really tell how, how deep they are from the outside. It's just that like, you can, you can tell how, how, um, deep someone is, but that, that depth is a metaphor. It's not like we can put you in a brain scanner and know exactly to this level of depth, this many feet down. Like it's, it's not as exact as it sounds when you match it up to a physical measurement. Okay. Because yeah. Yeah. Like what is happening to the brain? I don't know if you can even answer that. That's kind of a big question, but like, is this all just our imaginations essentially, or is it like science brain stuff that's happening? Like, is it an altered state? Yes. Yeah, it is. It is exact. That's exactly the okay. right word to use. You get yeah. the perfect phrase. It is an altered state, uh, sort of like being drunk or being high or being, um, uh, in subspace or, um, all of those different states. This is just another one of those. And it's very similar to some of those uh, for some people. Um, but when you do hypnotize someone who is in a functional MRI, you do see changes in the way that they imagine. So if you tell someone who's not in an fMRI to picture a color, mm-hmm. you see one thing happen in the brain. And if you put someone in trance and then ask them to imagine a color, a whole different thing happens where they're able to see that much more vividly. So that's why doing inductions and and, um, suggestions that rely on sensory details, like making people imagine feelings or uh, experiences work can work really well for people. Mm -hmm. Um, Another misconception that I I imagine is, you know, it's not this easy just through media. We kind of also just very briefly touched on this, like using a watch, like a pocket Mm -hmm. watch swinging back and forth to uh, put somebody under how accurate or inaccurate is that notion? Uh, if you just swing a pocket watch in front of someone's face, it's very unlikely that they're going to go into trance. You could put, try this on your own. It's really not going to going to do much. However, um, my partner, Kate, uh, you've had her on the show, Kate Sloan. Oh, yeah. Um, she, uh, sh- she's the person that I'm, I'm most frequently trans, and uh, she got me this lovely gift of a pocket watch because I never owned a pocket watch, and I've been a hypnokinkster for many years. Um, <laughs> and I have done I have done trance with it. Like, you can use it. It's basically what you're doing there is something called an eye fixation induction, where you're using the fact that the eyes are focusing uh, on a moving point, um, and that is sort of a distraction where you can kind of slip suggestions under and then get somebody make somebody's eyes heavy and then sort of get them to to drop. Okay, so you can, so you can use a pocket watch. You can use a pocket watch, but ju- just swinging a pocket watch <laughs> is not gonna not gonna be very effective. What other type? Got to of- do a bit more. <laughs> It's a bit more work than that. Um, what other kind of visual things, just while we're talking about it, might one use to help somebody 
who has oh, a visual yeah. thing, you know, put them under. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are two, there are two categories that I like to think about. One is using visual stuff in the actual environment. So there's this very popular induction. That's a confusion induction called the seven plus or minus two induction that relies on paying attention to a lot of things in the room and sort of overwhelming the brain because the brain can only pay attention to so many things at once. And when it gets overwhelmed by paying attention to a spot on the wall and the way the room sounds and the, air con- the way the air conditioning is feeling on your skin, it can sort of give up. And that's a good point to push somebody into trance. Another way is to uh, – so you can have someone focus on a spot on the wall and, and, and use their visual attention on, on that spot, uh, fixate them on that spot to, to get them into trance. Or you can have them imagine visual things in their mind's eye. So you can have yeah. them close their eyes and picture uh, walking down a set of stairs or riding down an elevator or uh, a really calming beach or, or park that they that they often get very relaxed in, and that will help them um, if they're very visual uh, get there as well. Okay. Another thing that is a misconception I find, like just how we were talking, like you know, party trick stage hypnotists, mm-hmm. um, that you know most of the people aren't really under. And I, and I feel like there's a misconception that it's not real and that people don't really go under and that, you know, that it, that it's fake essentially. Right. Right. Yeah. There's been a, there's been a lot of kind of damage done, um, in this, in this area by like, uh, the Penn and Teller show that aired uh, bullshit that basically claimed that hypnosis was fake. Um, and a couple of other, a couple of other things that were just kind of under-researched in, in reality, hypnosis is a uh, pretty well understood, well studied uh, phenomenon. You can find medical practitioners, deg- you know, with degrees using it in their practices. Like I said, it's been it's been studied in terms of uh, how the brain reacts. We've had people in brain scanners and know how they react. So yeah. um, it's a very real thing. And the idea that it's fake is us- usually comes from those types of like stage shows and not people who are very seriously practicing this. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is a common kink? Oh my, I don't know. I, I see a lot of it, but that's because it's my kink. Um, right, right, right. I don't, and, and I think that the, the cartoons that I mentioned near the top, like the fact that we, a lot of us, um, grew up with this embedded in all our media has mm-hmm. explains a lot of why folks have eroticized it, but I don't know how, I don't know how common it is in general. Interesting. Okay. Do you have anything, uh, to say to wrap up our hypno kink? talk like uh some a question for example i might i might ask is if you wanted people to know something about hypno kinksters like if there's something that people may not realize about hypno kinksters that you would want them to know sure thing um i'll say two things one is back on that consent issue because it's so important uh the the erotic hypnosis community as i see it and then the places where i'm a part of it is hyper consent focused. Um, so I would, I would, uh, I would point to that just as like, if you're afraid, um, that you'd be playing with someone and they might, um, try to do something non-consensual, that's a problem with that person. The community is very, very focused on, uh, at all of its events, um, uh, making sure that there's affirmative consent, uh, making sure that folks really want to do the things that they're doing and using hypnosis as a way to play in that consensual uh, kinky space and not um, not override it or overrule it. Um, obviously, exception for CNC play where you're consen- consensual non-consent, where you're, it looks like something is non-consensual, but actually it's been consented to ahead of time. Yeah. Um, 
The other thing is just that uh, this is a really easy kink to, to try. There's so many great creators online um, and, and uh, providers uh, making making content available um, where you can uh, just listen for a few minutes, watch for a few minutes, see how it makes you feel, see if you, you feel anything, uh, see if it if it turns you on. And it's a it's pretty low risk to try it that way because you can always close the window. Right. Yeah. Um, you can always uh, 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 just go about your day afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to get uh, started with it in person, there are. Uh, groups on FetLife and conferences all over the U.S. and, and probably some uh, popping up other places as well um, to to try it in person with folks. Amazing. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, so, okay, moving on for our last uh, little, little bit of time that we have left, you have recently come out as non-binary. I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Are you able to tell us, um, you know, just a little bit about maybe what that means for you and how you arrived at that? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it is very new. I came out, uh, like on Twitter a few weeks ago and, but for me, it's been something that's been a process of like months and months of, um, reflection and self-discovery. I, I started noticing, um, uh, that I was responding to responding to things differently than a lot of uh, the gender I was assigned at birth, like you'd expect. I was responding to really feminine compliments. I was like had like a, a growing interest in like wearing makeup and stuff, and mm-hmm. I um, kind of just did the work of looking back over my life, my childhood and adolescence, and figuring out if the uh, uh, if if being a man really fit, and decided. Um, after doing that work that it didn't, Amazing. it's not really, it's not really right for me. So, so, so I identify as, as non-binary and as, uh, genderqueer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of, it's non-binary is an umbrella term. There's lots of different ways to be non-binary, but, but for me, um, I feel kind of, uh, between those two, those two poles on that spectrum. And, uh, and I like to play in both, in both spaces and in both gender roles. And, um, and I, and I also just like to like live every day that way. So that's what it means for me. Amazing. Yeah, that yeah. was going to be my next question. Like, how do, how has that influenced uh, this discovery or, and realization? How has that kind of influenced, you know, your play, your kink play and whatnot? It it opens up possibilities, honestly, yeah. Yeah. right? Because if you're if you're confined to uh, a gender role, especially a gender role as uh, narrow as traditional masculinity, that is pretty limiting. Yeah. Uh, in life and in sex and in kink. Uh, so being non-binary and being comfortable and out about that has opened up a lot more possibilities for play. Uh, the only major things that it's really changed is the pronouns that I use when referring to myself or like partners referring to me mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, of, of what's been taken away. Like I don't use uh, he, him, I use they, them. Mm-hmm. But it, in terms of what it's added, it's added a spectrum of different presentations I can play with, um, different, uh, uh, so like wearing makeup, wearing different clothes, uh, and, uh, different roles that I can play in, in role play as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Because uh, you also, uh, you know, in our intro, we said you also identify as a daddy. So yes. has yeah. that, how, how is being like, uh, now being identifying as a non-binary daddy, what does that, does that change in whatever way you used to kind of identify, you know, with that daddy title? Um, yeah, I thought about it, and Kate, who is um, 
who whose daddy I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whose daddy uh, I is. <laughs> yes, she is, she is my little one, and uh, I am her daddy. Uh, was was a little bit initially concerned about that. Like, would that you know would me figuring out that I'm non-binary mean that I'm no longer a daddy? Would it would it change that identity? And for me, it it really hasn't. That's like being a a caregiving um, dominant and, and like having that sort of relationship with her is, um, is genderless to me. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily always mean that I do that in a masculine way. Sometimes I do that in a more feminine way. Sometimes um, I do that in a, in a more androgynous way. And mm-hmm. I think all of that can still fall under that title if that's the title that you've chosen. Yeah. Because for there are a lot of lots of fem daddies out there, you know. It, there sure it, are. It's yeah. for it's a um it's a caregiver title, you know, meant for whoever wants to claim it. Essentially, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And um, there's some uh, I've listened to some non non-binary other non-binary daddies talk about this, and uh, there have been um some some great podcasts. I believe one was on uh, uh, Tina Horn's podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why are people into that? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about that recently and it's good to have some community of folks who are, who are fucking with gender in the same ways that, uh, that you are. Yeah. Have you been connecting with other like non-binary daddies to kind of like, you know, have like a little support circle and, yes. and just yeah, exactly. as resources yeah. as well? Yep. Has yep. there anything you've learned from, from them? It's a little too early. Uh, I think yeah. I haven't, I haven't picked up anything, um, brand new that I haven't already been doing or thinking about, but, yeah. uh, I think in the next couple of months, like uh, definitely probably will. Yeah. And especially I'm, sh- I, I can imagine like in your play, it's experimentation time, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause as you said, it's just opening more doors, gives you more crayons to play with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one last thing I just wanted to touch on before I let you go. Um, I also know that you happen to be in a long distance relationship with your little one, Kate. Uh, <laughs> sure am, yes. <laughs> and um, I, I imagine, but I'm going to ask you right now. So is a hypnos- hypnotism a thing that you all do, you know, over Skype, over the phone? Is that a good kind of long distance kink to be into for those oh, reasons? It's, it's such a good kink for that because, yeah, you can you can put somebody um, you can put somebody in trance over the phone or over uh, FaceTime or Skype and then once you do that, you can actually make it feel more like you're there. So you can make their touches feel sort of more like your touches, or you can make their perception of, um, uh, of the scene that you're in, uh, much more visually real. Um, uh, so, so it's really great in terms of bridging the gap of, of the 500 miles between us to be able to put her into trance and then, um, have it feel much more like I'm there. Yeah. Cause can you, I'm, I'm assuming you can like put, you can make a suggestion that is like telling her that you're in the room with her doing yeah, certain exactly. things and it's going to, yep. I, I assume it's going to feel like you are. It feels somewhere in between, um, just being on the phone with somebody and having phone sex and reality, mm-hmm. but it's, I, I think it's a little bit closer to the, to the reality side of that spectrum. Oh, that's so cool. And would that work with people that need a visual to go under? Would that I guess with Skype, then you do have the visual, right? Yeah, there's other ways to do it. You can send GIFs of spirals, uh, like the one you tweeted, uh, uh, um, and and have them focus on that. Or you can, or you can um, do it, you know, with your with your eyes or other parts of your body over over video. There's a lot of ways to use visuals uh, long distance as well. I have a very personal question for you. Can you do it through winking? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. 
yes, in fact. So uh, Kate has a, a winking kink. Um, and uh, you sure can. The first time I ever tranced her was uh, was watching the looping videos of me winking and me giving her some suggestions um, that she would drop uh, deeper and deeper with, with every wink, and then uh, she was out. Oh, my God. That is so fun. That is yeah. so funny. Are there other kinks that you have kind of, like crossed over with like brought other kinks into the hypno kink that work like what works really well to pair <laughs> with hypno kink yeah. um some that I, some that i haven't mentioned yet uh, one is um planning a scene that's uh, uh, objectification dollification sort of thing so uh Ooh. turning her into um sort of a sex doll uh temporarily wow. um that's just like for my use uh, that, that can be really fun. So you, you sort of are just blank and mindless for a little bit. Um, and, and just useful for your dominant. Ooh, pretty, pretty cool. Hot. Um, yeah. And then, uh, another one when I was, I, so Kate has also gotten into, uh, hypnotopping a little bit and, um, we wanted to play with, um, me, uh, in trance where, my thigh would actually start to feel like my cock. So we just started, we were doing like a, a lot of intense grinding after that suggestion. I actually came without like any, any uh, contact on my cock. So that was, that was cool. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> that was great. I'm sure you're downplaying that a little bit for uh -huh. the, for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then um, one other thing is that, uh, you know, some of the more lifestyle stuff, like, I gave uh, Kate a while ago a suggestion that she could do sort of a little bit of self-hypnosis by saying a certain phrase, which is, I'm a good girl. It's like yeah. part of how she identifies. Um, and then that, that would make her feel accomplished and good and um, kind of bubbly inside. And so whenever she was kind of having a down day or uh, not feeling great, she could just say that phrase and that, that would reinforce that, um, that suggestion that I, that I had given her and, and reinforce from uh, time to time. I love that you mentioned that because uh, I happened to be interviewing Kate uh, while I was still in the studio. So we have video footage of uh, Kate. Talk oh, yeah. Yeah. Kate talking about this exact suggestion, um, this post hypnotic suggestion that you gave her about saying I'm a good girl. And she really tries to just breeze past it and not like feel yeah, anything so cute. by it's saying so it cute and so hot and you can actually watch her casually drop that you gave her a post hypnotic suggestion saying I'm a good girl and uh she just could not help but be vulnerable to you know the feelings that you suggested to her uh, yeah it was great via this suggestion she gets giggly her face changes like you it's visually apparent that she yeah. is feeling uh something you know she's going through whatever feelings you had plant implanted you know <laughs> exactly yeah i gotta i gotta go make a gif of that so i can just watch that on loop actually yeah it's so cute and sexy and hot and, and it's like it was one of those things where i got to see like other people's love like yeah oh and i was just like oh i see you too you know yeah and um yeah, because that's the thing I love. Like anytime I'm working with a couple or something like that, and I get to see like a little intimate, it was a, a little intimate peek into, you know, what erotic hypnosis means to you too. And that was just yeah. like so lovely. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, alrighty. So we're basically wrapping up this lovely interview. I, I want to thank you so much, Matt, uh, for Skyping in with me today. I appreciate it so much. 
Absolutely. I'm so, uh, so glad to be here. Did you want to let anybody know anywhere they could follow you or anything like that? Yeah, sure thing. Um, I am on Twitter, Tumblr, and FetLife as Super Sleepy Dude, um, <laughs> and uh, you can follow me there. Uh, and Kate writes about me on her site at uh, girlyjuice.net. You can look at the Super Sleepy Dude tag to see all the uh, antics that we've gotten up to. So Yeah, and she's written a couple lovely articles uh, just recently about you coming out as being non-binary, which are so lovely and touching and all that, all that gross love stuff. <laughs> Yeah, if you're, if you're into that, uh, there's a lot there. Yeah, and um, she also has like a newsletter, right? That... Oh, submissives. Yeah, there's even better stuff in there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, give her five bucks and, and she'll uh, she'll send you the juicy stuff. Yes, the girly juicy stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amazing. So thank you so much, Matt. Um, and uh, I'd love to ask you if you would be open to answering some questions if the viewers happen to contact me with uh, questions about oh, erotic yeah, hypnosis. Yeah, because yeah, I can maybe do, you know, a, a little bonus episode follow up if we have enough questions or, you know, possibly answer them on Twitter or whatnot, because I know yeah. this, this is a topic that is like very interesting to people. And I'm sure people have tons and tons of questions about it. Yeah. Right? And also yeah. on that, I'll, I'll send over uh, links to all the resources that I mentioned to you and hopefully you can make those available uh, in the show notes or somewhere. So if folks want to find those books or, or uh, documents that I talked about there, they'll be easy to get to. Yes. I would love that so, so very much. So, okay. Thank you so much again, Matt. Um, I'm going to do my usual signing out with uh, with um, you off air uh just so in case we lose our skype yeah. connection again uh yeah. also a big thank you to you uh for being very patient with the like oh five or six times our call dropped uh <laughs> not, a, not a problem at all but i have edited this to be seamless trust me so if any of you are in the gta area and want to see the bedpost stage show live you can do that the third friday of every month at 8 p.m at the social capital theater also you will hear original music music on this podcast it's by my lovely good friend stephanie copeland so if you are into that and want to check out more of her stuff that's at stephcopelandmusic.com and also if you are listening to us on some sort of podcasting app giving a rating and reviewing for that app uh, for the podcast is also a fantastic thing you can do for me and my business if you want to see more bedpost stuff, you can go to our new Fandangled Instagram. Uh, they, they keep getting deleted, so it's new and it's at the Bedpost Podcast on Instagram. As always, we're on Facebook at Bedpost Erotica. And you can email me at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week with a new fantastic guest. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.